Have you ever uh, felt knocked down? Uh, have you ever put your best foot forward uh, and there were people who you thought would blow wind uh, into your wings, but instead really sucked all the oxygen from under you and you just sort of kind of fell flat? Uh, you really thought you were doing a good thing. You really thought people would gather and, and encourage you, but instead of people gathering to your door, they kind of knocked your door down. Uh, uh, the frustration of being misunderstood. If you're in the room this morning and you have experienced that, the frustration of, of trying to do the right thing only to be misunderstood and put down, you're in the right place this morning. This morning, we're, we're going to learn uh, some really important lessons on the keys to resilience. We're going to learn it from a, a character in the Bible, an amazing character in the Bible, uh, who uh, was a religious leader of his day, but he wasn't a religious leader uh, in the correct sense of the word. He didn't come up through the appropriate certified channels. Uh, he, he, was, he was very popular with the people, but with the establishment, they really derided him. They, they hated him. They were intimidated by him because he had this following. Uh, he seemed to be successful, uh, but he didn't have the, 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 um, the credentials that religious leaders required. They tried to knock him down. Many people tried to knock him down, but you couldn't knock him down. And here's my big thought. I reckon if you can learn the lesson from the person we're about to look at this morning, nothing can stop you in 2018. I think if you can learn to do what we're about to learn as we, we delve into this man's life, I actually think this could be something that could cause you that uh, they knock me down, but I just get back up again. They knock me down, but I just get back up again. You have that internal sense of resilience in every circumstance and situation of life. So let's delve in and have a look at um, this interrogation. The religious leader sent someone out to interrogate him, to ask him, you know, who do you think you are? And that's a pejorative phrase. Who do you think you are? Anyone ever said that to you? <laughs> uh, who do you think you are? When, when someone says that, it's kind of like you're occupying a position that you don't have authority to hold, right? Uh, you, you're trying to, uh, you're trying to uh, take a, uh, a sway over me, but you don't have any reason to have that position of influence over me. And so who do you think you are? That's kind of how this starts. It, uh, it, we're going to jump into this in John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 19, I believe it is. And it says this. It says, now this is the testimony of John. We're talking about John the Baptist. When the Jews sent... Uh, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? That's that. What they're saying is, who do you think you are? Uh, you don't have our authority. You don't have our uh, okie dokie. Yet you're, you're positioning yourself as this religious leader. Who are you, basically? And he confessed. He did not deny, but he confessed. I'm not the Christ. So they thought he might have been the Christ because they're looking in, in Jewish culture. There's a, a Christ coming. But uh, he says, no, I, I'm not him. Uh, he says, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Uh, and there was a, 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 a prophet coming like Elijah. Uh, they were expecting someone rough and sort of from the desert. And, uh, uh, and he says, uh, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Let's just stop there and talk about it because this is, this is amazing. They say to him, are you Jesus? No, are you the Messiah? No, no, no. Are you John? Uh, are you Elijah? John. And he, and he says, 
No. But he's wrong. <laughs> he gets it wrong. John the Baptist is mistaken. I don't believe he's deceptive. I believe he's honestly wrong. And you say, who do you think you are to call John the Baptist wrong? You might be thinking. And, uh, and of course, it's not me calling him wrong. It's Jesus calling him wrong. Because Jesus says um, in uh, Matthew eleven fourteen, he says, if you're willing to accept this, I say, he, Elijah, one of the prophets said, has come. <laughs> I'm talking about John the Baptist. So Jesus said he was Elijah. And yet he's just said to these guys, Elijah, I'm not Elijah. In fact, Jesus a little bit before said that. I tell you the truth. He is the greatest man who has ever been born. Could you imagine that? Someone comes and says, who are you? Well, it's a little awkward, but uh, I'm actually the greatest person who's ever been born. Now, I don't know how to sort of tell you that. <laughs> That's a hard sort of piece of information to communicate, isn't it? You know, who are you? I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. <laughs> I float like a butterfly and I sting like a bee. I don't know. Uh, hard to say, maybe. But, but, but here's, here's the point, and I think this is a really, really important point. And that is John did not know how great he was. And the important point here is that you really don't have to know who you are. <laughs> and what's so, what's so wonderful about this is most of us don't know who we are. M most of us really don't know what we possess. We really don't know who we are. Some of the words you've spoken over people and the effects and the influence that you've had, you have no idea the significance and the influence and the power of your life. You have no idea who you are, but you're in good company. Neither did this bloke, and it didn't stop him. So it's just kind of like it, 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 it's not so important to know who you are. Many people are blind to their abilities and their capacities. And, and he goes on, and this is what he says. And you've got to realize this was 2,000 years before, before John Farnham ever sung. He said, I'm the voice. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> one John to another. Of one crying in the wilderness. <laughs> Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet uh, Isaiah said, and we're going to come back to this. This is really powerful when we, we get into his understanding of this whole idea of I'm the voice. Um, now those who, were, who uh, were sent were, were from the Pharisees and they asked him saying, why then do you baptize? So in other words, if you're not Elijah, you're not, you're not Jesus, then, uh, and you're not the Christ, you're not the prophet. So who, by what authority you're baptizing? Who said you can do this? Why are you doing this? And he answers them. I love it. He doesn't give them an answer. Hey, why do you baptize? I baptize. That's what he says. Uh, why do you baptize? I baptize. I baptize with water. But there stands one among you. This is a bit spooky. <laughs> whom you don't know. And he, uh, and is he who's coming after me is preferred before me. He's here now. He's not coming in 20 or 30 years. In fact, he might be standing beside you and you don't even know it. But he's here doo, 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 right now. The one who's coming is here. <laughs> and whose sandal straps, he says, I am not worthy to loose. Now, even that phrase is an interesting phrase. His sandal straps, I'm not worthy to loose. That's not what you should say. 
What you should say is, I'm only worthy to lose his sandal straps. If you were to stand before Caesar, okay, so of course Caesar was the ruler of the then known world uh, from, from you know, the Roman Empire. If you were to stand before Caesar, you wouldn't say, I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoes. What you'd say is, I'm only worthy to unbuckle his shoes. Because every society has its kind of like, you know, loser jobs, right? A job that nobody wants. A job that's always advertised because whoever you get to fill the the vacancy lasts a few weeks. It's a horrible job. It's a stinking job. Nobody wants the job. In this culture, the only people who could undo the the sandals or or the, the, the role of undoing the sandals in this dusty culture and washing the feet of the guests was reserved for the, 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 the slave of the lowest status. So you get down there and you clean out the toe jam, you know, you get to, because these are filthy, dirty feet that have been walking through dust for miles. And so it's a horrible, smelly, stinking job. And it's, it's, a, it's as a lower job as you can get. And John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to do that. He should have said, I'm only worthy to do that. But by saying this, what he's communicating is that I may only be worthy to untie the sandals of Caesar, but this man is higher than Caesar. This man is the king of kings. This man is beyond Caesar. This man, is the, I can't even touch his feet, is what he's saying. It's so interesting because... He has this incredibly low sense of who he is. I'm not Elijah. I'm I'm, I'm nobody on the one hand. But on the other hand, he has this nosebleed high understanding of Jesus. What kind of personality do you think he'd have? People who don't think much of themselves. And and let's be honest. I mean, let's let's just be, you know, let's be, 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 um, uh, take the mask off for a minute. Isn't this a lot of us, really? Uh, we really don't think we can. We really, really don't think a lot of ourselves. Uh, and this guy's just like you in that sense. I mean, we try to put on a bit of a mask. We try to put on a bit of a, you know, we got it all together. But deep down inside, and yet, and yet we see in this man, this John the Baptist, the capacity to confront kings. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but he stands before Herod, a king. And he says, Herod, you're with that woman. That woman's your brother's wife. That's wrong. And Herod basically says back, I'm going to kill you for saying that. Don't you can't talk like that to me. I'm a king. To which he says back, well, you go to hell for that. You You can't do that. I don't care what you say to me. To which he says, well, you know, you're finished. To To which John the Baptist says, hey, Kill me, you set me free. I don't care. So you've got this, you've got this incredible voice who, who has the ability to boldly proclaim anything to anybody and yet who seems to think almost nothing of themselves. How do you find that? Where does that work? Most people that you and I know, you know, those people are highly competent and uh, highly talented individuals and sometimes they come across brash and maybe a bit arrogant and you've got those kind of people then you've got these kind of people who don't say boo to a, a grasshopper kind of a thing you know oh don't ask me to do much I can't do much just little old me and they seem a little inferior maybe a little insecure <clears throat> and yet this guy is a combination of both 
And I reckon there is a really powerful key. I mean, this is chilling. What he's doing here is chilling. This is, you, you miss the, um, the tension in the air. You can cut the air with a knife, and I'll tell you why. Because in this culture, you don't, Jews don't get baptized. Gentiles get baptized, that's how they become Jews, right? So if you're a Gentile, and, and you look at the Jewish culture and you go, well, they seem to love their mother and father. You know, that the whole Ten Commandment thing seems to go well. They seem to have a high moral standard. You know, their God seems to look after them. I think I want to become a Jew and you become a proselyte. So you were a Gentile that converted to Judaism. You could do this back then. And part of the five-step process, one of the steps was baptism. And that's where the whole idea of baptism comes from. It comes from the Jewish culture. And it comes from a Gentile who's becoming a Jew. No one would baptize you. You would do it yourself. You'd take the ceremonial bath and you'd say, I'm doing away with my low Gentile ways and I'm transitioning into the Jewish way of life. It was kind of like a step up. And part of the process was this, this baptism that you would perform on yourself. But here you got this bloke, John the Baptist, and he's baptizing Jews. Like... This is 1,500 years of religious tradition that this bloke is, if you will, right in the face of. And it's not just the religious tradition of 1,500 years where Jews, we don't get baptized. We have our sacrificial processes in the temple and we don't behave like those Gentiles. We don't need baptism. What do you think you're doing, mate? Baptizing Jews. Jews don't get baptized, number one. Number two, it's even worse. I told you the tension in the air is so palpable you could just about carve it. If you were back then watching this, you'd be on the edge of your seat wondering what's about to happen next because people are crucified for no less than what's going on here because this is not just, this is not just a compromise of the religious tradition. This is an in-your-face of, their, of their, uh, their ethnic values. They believe that the Jews were above everybody else. That was their worldview. That was their paradigm, right? We are the chosen ones. God has chosen our father, Abraham, and we are the chosen people. We are chosen by God and you ain't. You can become one of us if you like. We don't want to become you. Who wants to become a Gentile? But there is a five-step process. If you want to go through the whole regime, you can become one of us because we are Jews. We are above you. And, and what, what John the Baptist is doing here is he's baptizing not just Gentiles, uh, he's, he's baptizing those who are ethnic Jews. And so it's not just the religious thing that he's in the face of, it's the ethnic thing. It's almost an undermining of them as a people. And so John the Baptist is on shaky ground. John the Baptist, by just baptizing people, who are you? I'm nobody. I'm just baptizing people. I'm having no respect for your religious institutions and I do not value our ethnicity as a people. <laughs> this is huge, folks. This is huge. And they ask him, who are you then? He says, I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm nobody. Man, how do you get this high confidence in your ability, this boldness to say what needs to be said, and yet this humility that, that almost pays no attention to itself? See, John's not thinking less of himself. He's just thinking of himself less. See? I mean, John's not, he's not um, insecure 
but neither is he secure in that, in that sense that he's not a low ego or high ego. He just isn't thinking about himself. And, and here, I think, is the key. You're talking about the key to resilience. I think this is the key. The key to resilience is, is not knowing who you are because he doesn't know who he is. The key to resilience is to knowing whose you are because <laughs> he knows who he belongs to. See, he says, there's one coming after me. I am the forerunner to him. He is so high. He is so magnificent. And whenever I, I'm a voice, whenever I speak about him, I just feel his presence fill me. I feel his spirit take hold of my heart. And, 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 and I just, I, 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 I rise to another level. But I know that it's not me. It's him in me. See, he, he, it's, it's not about who you are. It's about who's in you that matters. And uh, there's a, a lot today about searching for identity and, you know, who am I? And, I gotta, yeah, and, and you know, I'm not wanting to necessarily yeah, rain on that, but I am just suggesting that from the text here, it seems to me that this boy, A, doesn't know who he is, but B, it doesn't seem to matter because he knows whose he is, right? See, and, and, and if you want to go a little bit deeper in this thought, just stay with me here and let's go a little bit deeper. Um, the reason for this is because the only identity you know is performance-based. See, who are you? What's your identity? It's a performance-based identity. It's the way we're brought up. It's Western civilization. You decide what you want to be, you think. It's really, I think, more thrust upon you by society. We conform to the values of our society more than we're prepared to acknowledge. But let's just put that to the side. Let's just say you decide who you're going to be, right? This, this, is a, this is a success, right? Uh, if I do this, then I'm successful. Then I'm somebody. And you live up to your own standard. You have performed. Therefore, you can feel good about yourself. I can identify myself as a success. I can identify myself, myself as an individual of value because I have attained to my own standards. But it's performance-based see and what John understood was a non-performance based identity if you like it wasn't on the fact that he was he was able to baptize people he was had this huge religious following his identity was rooted in Jesus Christ he lived on on the other side of the cross he didn't even have the the understanding that you and I have that, that we don't have to have a performance-based identity with God. Our relationship with God is not based upon what we can do. It's based upon what He has done, you see. He has performed for us upon the cross. He's taken our sin. He has died. He's, rose, he's risen again. And that now is past. That's done. And we don't need now to uh, get some kind of identity out of our behavior because our, our identity is tied up in Jesus Christ. It's not who we are. It's whose we are. And I think this is the key to resilience. Otherwise, you're up, you know, oh, wow, I'm a piano player. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with myself. I set out to learn the piano and I, le- I learned the piano. Or I set out to learn a skill and I learned that skill. I'm pretty impressed with myself. No, nobody's impressed. You're not impressed with yourself if you jump into a muddy puddle, right, and squish mud through your toenails. You don't think, oh, wow, I'm pretty clever. Look at this. Wow, look at that. Because nobody values muddy toenails, right? You are influenced by the values of our culture. And they are a performance-based value system. John the Baptist is introducing us to something here that I'm trying to get you to understand this morning. A non-performance-based value system. 
that your value is not tied up in your ability. Your value is not tied up in your capacity, in your achievements. Your value is tied up in whom you belong to. If God came down, just imagine this. Imagine God comes down and he says to us, okay, folks, this is it. Well, you got to do this, this, and this, and I'll give you a big tick, and you'll be okay with God. Then what God has done is no different to the rest of our culture. To be honest with you, um, religion as we understand religion to be, you know, some kind of standard to attain to, is no different than any other form of entertainment any other form of commerce or pursuit in this world. It's all about attaining to a standard. It's all about reaching a a, a level. And then you draw your sense of value, you draw your sense of success from that level. So if God came down and did that, a lot of people think he did. A lot of people think, well, God's just set the bar so high, I can't even get there, so blow it. Who cares? Why bother? Uh, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we might die. I'm not going to try that hard because it's beyond me. But God did not come down and propagate the value system of this world. He came down and he said, you can have an identity that's not based on a performance, but an identity that's based on a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Uh, Have you ever spoken to someone for over 15 minutes and, and you hear them start complaining about this one and complaining about that one? The reason people do that, the reason why we have such a propensity to whinge and complain about the boss, about the government, you know, about whatever, is because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Because we we live this performance-based identity. And if I can prove to myself and to my friend that you are down here and I'm up here, that makes me feel good. If I can point out what a dumb, what a dummy the prime minister is, if I can point out how stupid the boss is, if I can point out how, how, how bad the system is, well, I can say the system's here, but I'm up here. So I actually feel good about myself. See, this is the performance-based identity coming through the pores of our society. And so we whinge and we complain. But by putting others down, we feel that we are bringing ourselves up. But the beauty of what John the Baptist is giving us here is that this is, we don't have to live in this performance-based world. I mean, if you've ever been in a room and, and, and you suddenly realize you know more than everybody else in the room on a particular subject, and they're sort of asking questions and you know, well, this is, you're giving answers and you're feeling pretty good about yourself because you kind of know a lot and nobody else really does. And, and, and that's, you know, you go, oh, well, I'm pretty clever, aren't I? And then maybe you, you feel really good about yourself, and then, but then you find yourself in another room and people are talking and you can't even follow the conversation. <laughs> What are they talking about? I've got no idea. Wow, I mean, this is, these people are just, I feel so stupid. I feel like a loser. I feel like I'm just so dumb. I'm, so, I'm such an idiot. And again, what's going on is this performance-based identity that you have been um, con- uh, scripted in that makes you feel really good about yourself when you are, you know, compared to everybody else, the richest, the smartest, the most beautiful, the fastest, whatever, in the room, but then in another room, you feel really insecure and really stupid and really dumb because that room is people who seem to have it together a little bit more than you. How can you be bold enough to say what needs to be said, yet humble enough not feeling superior in saying it? It all comes back to this performance-based identity if you have a performance-based identity in 2018 you're not going to do anything significant i suggest 
I, I suggest you get knocked back down and you feel so bad about yourself, you won't be able to get back up again. But if you can develop a, an identity that's based in relationship, if you can develop an identity that's based in belonging, I belong to God. You get knocked down, but you get back up again. You get knocked down and you get back up again because it affords within you this sense of resilience, this sense of bouncing back. I love what John the Baptist says here. When he says, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. Who are you? You're Elijah? No. You're the prophet? No. You're the Messiah? You've got to be kidding me. Well, who are you? He says, I'm a voice. And there's something really powerful in this. There's something I need you to see. Something that you have to understand. There is an incredible power waiting for you. You just have to move into it. You just have to see, what, this is what we do. What we do is we look at ourselves, we look at our ability, we look at our past, we look at our history, and we say stuff like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I'm not able to do that. Like, I couldn't do that. And the problem is, you're looking at yourself, and you can't. John the Baptist isn't looking at himself. He's got his eyes on Jesus. It's not about what he can do and what he can't do, his ability, his capacity. All he is is a conduit. All he is is a voice. He understands something here that you would be wise to embrace in 2018. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, right? You, you, you wouldn't define yourself as a follower of Jesus. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And here's the thing. You might look at, say, what your perception is of Christian life. And you might say things like, oh, I could never do that. <laughs> you know, what have I got to give up? I couldn't change this. I couldn't change that. And that's the problem. You can't. <laughs> and as long as you're looking at yourself, you'll never be a Christian. <laughs> you'll never make the transition. You'll be too fearful, right? Because you look at it, you go, oh, wow, you got to do that. You got to do that. You got to do that. I can't do that. No, you can't do that. John the Baptist can't do this. But nobody told him he couldn't do this. The authorities turned up to tell him, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? He can't, there's no answer for them. I just do this. He knew whose he was and he knew what he had to do. And he did it. And here's the thing. You take that step. You, you, you might say, oh, I don't think I could be a Christian. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. No, no, no. You step into it and then you can do it. <laughs> There's a power waiting for you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God comes into your life. And all of a sudden now, it's not about what you had. It's not about the abilities that you were, um, that, that you were uh, uh, strangled or, or holding you back. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this ability that's not of your own, this ability that is Christ in you, the hope of glory, you see. And, and if you're going you're to make the application beyond that, you can make the application almost anywhere. I, 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 I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind, um, I almost said I wouldn't mind betting, but that's not a good thing to say because I don't like gambling. But uh, I wouldn't mind suggesting <laughs> that in 2018, you'll be asked to do something. Somewhere God's got something for you. And you know the worst thing you could ever say? I can't do that. You know why that's so bad? Because you're looking at yourself. You've got a works-based, performance-based identity. 
and you need to give yourself an uppercut. <laughs> you need to give yourself a wake-up call because as long as you live there, you're going to fall so far short of your capacity, so far short of all that you're capable of. I've got to tell you, there is a world system that's grinding you and grinding you and grinding you to make you some kind of numb, non-thinking, compliant component of society. I've got to tell you, the deck stacked against you. <laughs> that's what this society, that's what the world is doing to you. And as long as you continue to look at yourself, as long as you continue to evaluate your performance based on your capacity, you'll stay there. There's only one way out for you. Let's get your eyes off yourself and start looking at him, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's recognizing that there's one who has come, whose sandals you are not worthy to untie. You know the best thing you can do? The best thing you can do is to accept the fact that you're incapable. Accept the fact that you can't. Accept the fact that it's two hours. I know I can't do that, but through Him I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. This isn't about me. This isn't about who I am. I'm not Elijah. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're wrong. You are Elijah. Oh, I'm not suggesting he was deceiving. He was just innocent. He had an, igno an innocent ignorance about who he was. And I think there's something powerful about that, don't you? People who have just this innocent approach, they don't understand the power that they carry. They don't understand the authority that they have. But it doesn't stop them because they're not looking at themselves. Their eyes are fixed on the one whose sandals they're not fit to untie and they just be the voice. So I want to encourage you in 2018, be the voice. Turn to the person beside you and say, be the voice. You have a distinct ability. You have a distinct calling. You have a message. There is a message on your life, my friend. There is a message on your life. There is a message in your heart that's bigger than you and that it's beyond you. Be the voice. Don't listen to me. Who do you think you are to say that? Who do you think you are to speak? No, I'm nobody. I'm just a voice. But I reckon you can do it. Not because of who you are, but because as you step into what you've been called to do, there is a power. There is a supernatural ability awaiting your move. Just have enough faith. <laughs> Almost be naive enough. <laughs> just to move into it this morning and receive it in Jesus' name. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray and we're done. Father, I thank you for everybody in this room. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a megaphone. What a voice. <laughs> everybody in this room put their voice together. What a sound. What a transforming sound. Lord, I don't know what you're going to ask the individuals in this room to do in 2018. But I do know that you have an assignment. I do know that there is a purpose. And so, Father, I pray when the challenge comes, when the moment comes, that we would not shrink back into this, I can't, who am I? I don't have... 
simply look to you, you and recognise that if you're calling us, you're enabling us. And we draw our identity not from what we've done, but from whose we belong to. Just while your heads are bent and eyes are closed, just in a moment of reflection, I just pray this morning, everybody is just reflecting on who you are in terms of how have you determined your value Been getting, trying to get your value from your family trying to get your value from your works trying to get your, your value from your achievements as things go up and down up and down this morning you can receive it from Jesus it's not about what you do who you are, it's whose you are. It's whose you are. It's whose you are. Look, if you're in this room this morning and you don't belong to Jesus Christ, okay? Maybe you're coming to church, maybe you've been coming to church for six months, I don't know. Maybe you've been coming to church for five minutes. But you've never really said, you know, I, I belong to Jesus. You've never made that stand. You've never sort of said, yes, I've invited God into my life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that before before we finish this service we're going to sing a song in a moment and um, who's going to come and just Kate's going to come and just close the service but, but uh, if that's you if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour or you, you, maybe a long time ago you thought you did and you wandered away whatever but you're not following Jesus this morning I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus if you want to say yes to Jesus in this house this morning just by way of symbolizing that, just by way of making that, that, that step, if you will, I want you to, to, to just take your right hand and give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me, and pray for me. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Just lift your hand and go, yeah, that's me, and pray for me. I'm going to pray for you this morning, along with my friend over here. That'd be great. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else want to just give me a wave this morning? Amen. Amen. Father, you see those, uh, those hands that have been raised just pray right now, Lord, that you come in to those lives with your power as they open up to your presence. And to all of us, Lord, as we move forward into 2018 and have to face the challenges and the responsibilities that come before us, help us not to look to ourselves, but to look to you and know who has us and who's going to see to the end that which he's committed against that day. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together, church.